This chapter contains depictions of sexual violence. Listener discretion is advised. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 30 The Gray Desert All sense of time had been lost by the time they found themselves once again at the line of the Gray Desert. They looked onward as they did before, the ground in front of them rocky and colorless, the black tower in the distance still just as ominous as it was the first time they set eyes on it. Mister moved his foot over the line. Just before it could touch the ground, Dorothy grabbed him by the collar of his jacket and gently pulled him back. He turned to her with a pitiful look on his face. Is there a problem? Dorothy just looked at him. Sorrow filled her heart, and tears welled up in her eyes. Mister, she paused to hold back the tears. I have to go alone. She held her hand up, showing him the silver ring with the red stone on her finger. I'm sorry. You can't come with me here. He understood completely and tried not to take it personally, although he wondered if she would have left him behind even without a genuine reason. As Dorothy stepped over the line, Special, and only for her eyes, the colors came to life and filled the desert. The stone ground took on a red appearance. The sky gained a slight blue tint. The black tower in the distance remained as black as ever, and somehow managed to look even darker than before. She turned to Mr. and watched as he waved slowly. I'll wait here, he said. I'll wait right here. It's what I do best. And he gave her a slight smile. I know you will, mister. I know, Dorothy said as she turned and walked away. As she ventured further into the desert, she found she was not alone here. She came across a small tree stump with a crow perched on it. She looked at the crow, and the crow returned a glance, both of them uncertain of what the other was capable of. Upon closer inspection, the stump took on a rather odd shape. It had feet. Human feet. The feet led into legs around which two long, bony arms were wrapped. It appeared to be a person simply curled into a ball and sitting in the middle of nowhere. Dorothy stepped closer, but quickly jumped back as it twitched. The bird flew away as the stump, or man as it was, raised its head slowly. It slowly creaked and popped as it unfolded its arms and stood up. He was not tall, barely even taller than Dorothy, though his arms extended to the ground. He reminded her somewhat of Lothor, back east in the gray fields, 
He had long, wiry hair and was completely naked, though he was incomplete in many ways. His eyes were sunken in and sorrowful, to the point that Dorothy could not help but cry just looking into them. He had a small triangle on his face where a nose used to be, and was completely void of a mouth. Dorothy came to the conclusion that he would not hurt her, though the conclusion came with the word intentionally attached to it, as in, I don't think he will hurt me. Intentionally. They stared at each other for what felt like an eternity, but in all actuality was only a few seconds. Dorothy watched as he turned and walked away, shuffling off into the distance. The crow came back and perched on his shoulder. He stopped and sat down, curling up just as he was before when Dorothy first came across him. As she moved further into the barren wasteland known as the Grey Desert, she came across more of its denizens. They were all pale, ghostly figures, aimlessly wandering the landscape. Some of them had no arms, some of them had no legs, some of them no eyes, and some were missing their mouths. Most of them were adorned with tattered clothing, though on occasion she came across one or two completely nude. She walked with caution, though very few of them seemed to pay any attention to her, and the ones that did seem to notice her, for the most part cowered away in apparent fear. The closer she got to the tower, the people, for lack of a better term, became less fearful and more grotesque. She came across a woman sitting in her path. She was looking away from Dorothy and whimpering loudly. Dorothy was not sure what she should do. Make some sort of contact? Run? Or just cautiously walk around her? As she thought of the best way to approach the situation, the woman turned around. She had no clothing. Her skin was covered in veins, and she had sores all over her body. Her head was completely bald, and even though she had no eyes, Dorothy could tell the woman was looking at her. She could feel it, the same way she could feel it when men undressed her with their elevator eyes back in Kansas. The woman's face was nearly featureless. In fact, the one feature she had was a mouth. She opened wide and let out a dry, raspy breath. Dorothy could smell it from a good five feet away and noticed most of her teeth were either rotted or missing. She raised a bony arm with a claw-like hand to her mouth and wheezed again. She pointed to the canteen resting on Dorothy's side. Dorothy checked herself to see what the woman was pointing at. You are thirsty. Okay. Okay. She talked calmly, as one does when talking to a mugger or a feral animal to avoid further complications. As though that ever works. She slowly pulled her backpack around and set it on the ground in front of her. She proceeded to pull out a bottle of water she had grabbed from her former home before leaving it behind. Here, she said, 
still talking calmly as she opened the bottle and handed it to the woman. The woman took the bottle and poured the water into her mouth. Once it was completely empty, she dropped it to the ground and looked at Dorothy with her invisible eyes and smiled. Dorothy smiled in return. She felt good, as though she had made a positive difference in someone or something's miserable life. The comfort and the overall good-natured feeling was quickly disrupted when the woman spit all twenty ounces back out and all over Dorothy's face. It smelled worse than her breath and had taken on a sticky, slimy, saliva-esque quality. Dorothy choked and gagged, holding back the urge to vomit, holding back the urge to cry like a little girl on the playground, dealing with a bully. She stood as still as she possibly could and watched as the woman laughed a wheezy laugh before turning and walking away. Once the woman was a good distance away, Dorothy reached into her backpack and pulled out a pure white towel she had taken from the green city. The stench stayed with her even after wiping her face. Dropping the towel to the ground, she grabbed her things and began once again to walk toward the tower. Dorothy found herself within reach of the tower, but with yet another obstacle in her way. A thick black moat formed around the perimeter. It smelled like shit, and for all Dorothy knew, that is exactly what it was. Shit. Large bubbles formed on the surface and popped with slow hisses and plops. Dorothy walked along the edge of the moat in search of a bridge that did not exist. There was only one way to cross it, and it was far from ideal. She swallowed her fear of discomfort and stepped into the black filth. It was exactly how she imagined it. The sludge flowed around her, gripping her, flowing through and between her legs in a way that left her feeling sick and violated. She waded through, holding her backpack above her head and telling herself, it could be worse. It could always be worse. She found herself at the deepest part of the moat, the filth rising to her chin. She tilted her head up as she tried desperately but failed to keep it from getting into her mouth. She became stuck before she could make it any further than halfway through. She felt something on her leg. It felt like hands clenching around her ankles. She fought to break free but was unable. The hands loosened their grip ever so slightly and began moving up her legs. She was unable to move now, not because of the hands holding her in place, but by fear-induced paralysis. She began to panic as she found it more difficult to breathe. Her heart began to pound harder and harder. The hands continued upward. They gripped her calves and slid up her outer thighs before curling inward. She gasped at the pain of the intrusion and the shame of the violation. Tears streamed from her eyes as she tried to cry out. One finger. Two fingers. Three fingers. 
Suddenly she felt more hands. They covered her entire body, gripping, groping, pinching, squeezing, scraping, scratching. Under her feet, between her legs, around her buttocks, on her back, pressing her stomach, squeezing her breasts, and gripping her shoulders, and finally, wrapping around her throat. Dorothy, still unable to move, silently cried as the moat raped her. Her eyes closed tightly, and she flinched and cringed. Consciousness was lost. The world went dark. When Dorothy came to, she found herself on the other side of the moat, on her back and looking up at the tower. She was now dry, though the stench of the filth and her now black, crusty clothes served as a reminder of where she was, as though she could ever forget. Her strength and will to live were nearly completely sapped by the orgy of grime that had encased her body for God only knows how long, doing God only knows what. She curled up into the fetal position and sobbed uncontrollably. She slowly stood up as she came to terms with the ordeal that was currently her life, and began searching for the entrance to the tower. There was no door. At least, not in the traditional sense. Instead, there was a small hole that led into a narrow, dark corridor, which in turn led inward. Dorothy peered inside. It was pitch black, emanating from it a thick heat and stench heavier than anywhere else in the desert. Her claustrophobia held her back for several minutes as she turned away from the tower, breathing in and out, her nose inside her shirt in an attempt to get slightly cleaner air. She closed her eyes and took one more deep breath before turning around and entering. The corridor was small and tight. It was not so narrow that she had to walk sideways, but narrow enough that her arms had to be flat at her side. And it was not so small that she had to crouch, but small enough that her head occasionally bumped the strangely moist ceiling. It lasted only a few minutes, but for Dorothy, it felt like hours. Once she was through, she found herself in a large open room. Somehow, this room was far cooler than the tunnel, begging the question, where was the heat of the tunnel coming from? Chalk it up to just another one of those strange Land of Oz things, she thought to herself. The room had an incredibly high ceiling to it, and naked munchkins aimlessly milled about the floor. Some of them pushed carts from one end of the room to the other, only to turn around and do it all over again. Some walked on large turntable-style gears with handles sticking out of the center of them. Others pushed and pulled levers back and forth. The turning of the gears, combined with the squeaking of the wheels of the carts and the chunk-chunk, chunk-chunk of the levers created a rather loud symphony of chaotic noise. There was, however, 
no witch in sight. Dorothy felt both frustrated and disappointed, yet somehow relieved at the same time. And then it happened. <laughs>